I was just wondering, can you repeat the name of the author of the book Complications that you mentioned? Atul, A-T-E-U-L, mm -hmm. Gawanda, that's right, look it up on Amazon, G-A-W-A-N-D-E, Atul Gawanda. A-T-U-L, Gawanda, G-A-W-A-N-D-E, Gawanda. Thank you very much. Yeah, and, he, and he's a working doctor, uh, and so I think it's not just a popular science writer. So he he kind of he really does know his stuff. Yeah. Can you explain uh, why we, it's important to be misunderstood again? Uh, mis it's important to be misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? <laughs> well, when when I'm misunderstood, there's a strong impulse in me to jump in and say, no, 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 it's not like that, let me, let me explain. And, um, and the energy behind that, trying to explain, um, and sort of set things straight, is when, I, when I, I look at that or feel that, is a very agitated and sort of self-protective, um, a kind of narrow, uh, agitated quality. Um, so I'm not like deliberately sending out incorrect information to be misunderstood. <laughs> You're not uh, actively seeking that, but when that does happen, then um, that uh, uh, to, that self-justifying urge is something that's important to, to look at, to, to feel, and to not follow. And uh, when, uh, when my and my experience has been is when you you leave it alone and you don't just get pulled in by that, then uh, <clears throat> what happens is that either sooner or later, then what is the, the more accurate version of, uh, of your feelings or your, the situation, then that comes around or that gets, that gets um, uh, say, re represented. Uh, there's a, uh, uh, a famous story, example they use of this in, in the Japanese tradition where uh, it, I think it was a story told of Hakuin Zenji, a famous Zen teacher, and he was a, a young priest of a, a small village temple on the, the sea coast in Japan. And, uh, and he was like only been in charge of this temple for a couple of years and then there's a big scandal in the village and this young girl is, uh, is pregnant and she says, oh, uh, the priest, uh, the Hakuin, uh, uh, he was the one who got me pregnant. And so the family are upset, the village are all up in arms, and they so take the baby in the basket to the temple and leave it on the temple steps, and then, <clears throat> and then sort of knock on the door and say, you know, here is the results of your, your, your bad actions, you know, this is your child, look after it. And so then Hakuin said, oh, uh, our soul. Yeah. Is, that, you know, is that so? Okay. And he picks up the child, takes care of it, then... Ten years later, the, the, the girl confesses, Oh, I'm missing my child. Actually, it wasn't really the priest who was, who, who was the father of it. It was the fisherman. But uh, he, you know, he, he's a really kind of low-class boy, and, and uh, the family would never approve of him. But he's really the one I want to be with, and I miss my child, and, and can I have it back? So then there's a big ruin, a big uh, argument in the village, and they go back and forth. They go back up to the temple and knock on the door and say, well, terribly sorry, Zenji, but uh, you know, we understand that you weren't the father of the child and uh, you know, uh, 
uh, and the, the, can can my daughter have the child back now? You know, the, the little boy is ten years old. Can can he come back to his mother? And and so uh, you know, uh, we 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 apologize, and we really uh, want to um, say to, to set things straight, and uh, and so that please uh, uh, you know feel relieved of your burden. You know, and so and he says, oh, our soul. Invites the child says, okay, this is your mother. You can go with her if you like. So that he was uh, apparently happy to be misunderstood for ten years, but then after that, his credibility is like amazing. He brought the whole that child up. He lived with that bad reputation for ten years, and uh, you know how uh, how impressive that he uh, was able to just be kind and and look after the kid and take responsibility, and so then his reputation went <laughs> sky high. So. Um, some, it, often, it often works itself out quicker than that, but uh, when we are um, ready to be misunderstood, then you, uh, you are, um, in a way, uh, sort of trusting the the truth of things to speak for themselves, or it doesn't have to be leaping to your own defence, and. Then, when when it, things are are sort of shown to be different from the, the presumptions people had, then there's definitely a certain glow that arises in the heart. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, uh, but then also that sense of, of um, appreciation in others that you that you didn't get upset or angry or uh, or irritated with them. Like they uh, to to give a personal story on this. So, at a Bayagiri monastery in California. Yeah, uh, when when I was uh, a monk in, like, say, Wat Pananachat in Ubon Province or in England, uh, I was always uh, a very um, active worker. I like, always would get to the to the um, uh, you know the, the monastery work projects. I'd get there first, and I'd work till the end, or clear up after other people, and was uh, very you know, sort of diligent and, and energetic in engaging in, in work tasks and any kind of job that needed to be done around the monastery. But then uh, in, when I was uh, the abbot of the monastery in California, I realized there was a lot of administration communication and I just couldn't join in with all of the work projects. So I just made a decision. Okay, instead of volunteering for everything and always being available for everything, I'll, I'll just... Um, leave it to others to do uh, as much of the physical work that needs to be done and I'll look after the administration so uh, and whatever needs to be done because other people can't do that or they're not involved in the same way so anyway the work monk uh, <coughs> then and he told me this story himself so then there's a lot of physical work needed there and it's very hot in the summertime you know, 100 110 degrees very rainy in the rainy season so it's quite harsh working conditions. So this uh, uh, this monk brought up uh, was was uh, say very irritated by the fact that I never seemed to volunteer for anything. I was just in the office, you know, answering the phone or sending emails. And he uh, he told me he said that he got this really negative impression. I was work shy and just wanted everyone else to do all the the hard stuff. And um, so he he bought he cultivated this really critical negative opinion of me, and and I got this feeling I got this vibe off him quite regularly, 
But I, following this advice, I, I chose not to to make anything of it. Um, and then, um, sometime later, uh, a, a couple of years later, this um, uh, this former monk came to visit, and uh, somehow it came up in conversation uh, that this the, the work monk said to him about how I was kind of a lazy. Lazy guy. He said, oh no, Ajahn Amro. He was he was always like first on the work scene. He'd work harder than anybody else. He's always tidying up after everyone. You know, he was just kind of unstoppable. He's not, you know, he's not work shy at all. No, it's, it's uh, it, it must be, uh, uh, you know, you must be mistaken because uh, you know, it couldn't possibly be the case that he's kind of lazy or doesn't care. And so then, um, so then the, the the work monk came and had a chat with me and said, well. I have to confess, I did have this really negative opinion about you, and and so, um, uh, but then I heard from this other fellow who was with you in England uh, uh, that yeah, you're not like that at all. So uh, can you explain to me? And I said, oh yeah, I just made a decision that uh, I couldn't do everything because if I try, if I tried to do all of the physical work and do all the administration, I'm run totally ragged, just like the one looking after the whales and the redwoods and the the homeless and the otters. Uh, yeah, I was. I tried to do that for the first few months before before you came here, and I was completely. I was like a chewed rag. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. So I just, I just decided I, I would take care of the things that I had to look after. I would let every others take care of, of the uh, the physical work, and he uh, and that was my that was my reasoning. And he said, "Oh, so I have to confess, I've been carrying around a really negative opinion. So now." He uh, he tells that story, and so uh, kind of praises me as a good example. <laughs> but that's a, a long answer, but uh, that uh, the the allowing myself to be misunderstood or to be criticised then it had a, a very beneficial effect on him. It also, kind of raises my status, whether that's worth anything. <laughs> but uh, but the 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 significant thing. Being that um, you don't have your happiness dependent on others having a a good opinion of you, and uh, again, it's not because you're hardening your heart or you don't care, but you're you're developing that sense of self-reliance that you're not your happiness doesn't uh, rely upon others seeing you as you would like to be seen, but you're you're able to accommodate uh, contradictions or uh, say let people dislike you or misunderstand you and you say well it's you're t totally uh, um, entitled to your own opinion may you be happy with it I see things differently but if that's the way you see it fine that's your business I hope that's helpful Yes. And if you wait for the microphone. Uh, Ajahn, you described two types of uh, action with relation to compassion. In one, uh, you're attached to the results of your action and things like that, and it's out of ignorance. And you talked about a more detached uh, mm -hmm. or more impartial mm -hmm. uh, kind of compassion where you're available to help, but you don't really uh, uh, involve yourself with it. And uh, there seems to be a third type where uh, there is a kind of a sink 
you know, a synchronicity where uh, seeing someone sad, also you, uh, a sadness arises in you. And uh, it's just a natural arising of sadness in you when somebody else is sad, but you're not really uh, taking the ownership of your own sadness or that sadness, but you're just seeing that sadness uh, uh, automatically sinking and creating that in you and uh, in that uh, there is there is a kind of union uh, but you and you can help out of that compassion but uh, because of the sink you also uh, see that sadness in you so it's not a question but uh, could you uh, dwell a bit on it where someone's sadness makes you sad but you're not taking ownership of it but it's still coming to you. <clears throat> I feel that's that's part of the um, yeah the uh, the human experience. <laughs> I would say it's part of the uh, the the second type in a way of, of uh, not taking ownership. I mean, the, the feelings are still there. I mean, sometimes with with uh, you know, being around Lumpur Cha, sometimes you, know, you he'd be laughing, but he'd almost be. You, you couldn't tell whether he was laughing or crying, and both at the same time. Really, you know, he just like when hearing somebody's story or somebody with him, it's like it's so kind of awful and hilarious. Okay, what well, the, the English word tragicomic. It's both someone's problem is both you know, incredibly painful but extraordinarily stupid and funny, and that he, he you couldn't really tell whether he was crying. Or laughing, and then you realize, well, it's both, and so that that um, just because there are uh, that that feeling of of sadness is there, it can be the uh, there can be that strong emotion. It's not a matter of when you you're not claiming ownership that the, the the feeling of sadness can be there, but it, it's it, there's not a, a sense of self being built around it, uh, and sometimes. The, the, if there is that intense, sad feeling, as soon as you do build a self around it, you actually obstruct it. You know, and I've had that experience, where, whereby I mean, you're very, very sad about something, and, uh, uh, and then you're feeling that, you know, the tears running down your face, and then as soon as you think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really suffering here, then the tears stop. But then you sort of let go of that self-create, that self-conceiving thought, and then the tears start again, and the feeling is there. So, just because there's a letting go of self doesn't mean that the emotions are being throttled at all. There can be very strong feelings, you know, of sadness or um, a sense of, of um, grief, but uh, the, that quality of, of not-self doesn't mean there's no emotion. And that's a, a important to understand in Buddhist practice that uh, we're not trying to find a place where we feel nothing. You know, when when the uh, the Buddha was quite old, then his two chief disciples uh, passed away before him, uh, Sariputta and Moggallana. They passed away, and uh, there's this very poignant um, uh, description of the whether it. Uh, has the Buddha in an assembly, like a Dhamma teaching, he comes to the, 
the main hall to give a Dhamma talk and he says, it feels as though this assembly is empty because Sariputta and Moggallana are not here. There's hundreds of people there. But he says, it feels empty, <coughs> empty because Sariputta and Moggallana. So the Buddha is expressing his own sense of grief. My, you know, his dear friends and companions for so, for so long, you know, decades of forming the Sangha together and, uh, and uh, all the different trials that they've been through, and now his, his dear companions are gone. And he's, just, he's not uh, looking for sympathy, but he makes the comment, and you know, it's right there in the suttas, that he says, oh, it's as if the assembly is empty. All these people are here, but there's a sense of, there's a gap, there's a, 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 a loss. So uh, even the Buddha is now a fully enlightened uh, being, and not dependent on the affections and presence of others, can express that. So that, uh, that the... Um, the letting go of, of, uh, of self in terms of compassion is, is not trying to just flatten our feelings or have no emotion. Uh, uh, you know, that empathy is, is something that can be quite strong and, and powerful. But if the, the, if the attitude towards it is, is really wholesome and skillful, then it's there, but there's also a, a kind of brightness and... Uh, and, and, uh, and an okayness, if you can use that word. Uh, I was just at a, a conference in San Francisco on mindfulness and compassion. It's the title of the conference. And uh, there was a, a, a presentation by this uh, monk in the Tibetan tradition, uh, uh, Mathieu Ricard, who's a French, uh, a French monk. He's been uh, in robes for about 40 years. He's also he was a, a, a biologist, a, a scientist before he was uh, ordained. He is also um, someone who's had a lot of uh, tests done on his. He's very friendly with the neuroscientists, so they keep covering his brain with electrodes and putting him in scanners and such like. And uh, he was telling this very funny story about how uh, they were doing some experiments on him. And uh, he was saying, oh, you know, they are very demanding in the laboratory. They say to me, okay, now we want uh, undifferentiated awareness now. <laughs> <laughs> Complete awareness. And they like switch on the light. They say, okay, now begin. <laughs> and <clears throat> so then they say, now we want you to practice uh, to, to feel the sadness on behalf of the other being, but to have no compassion. He said, huh? Yeah, don't start the compassion yet. Just have the sadness on account of the suffering of others. So, okay, uh, I try to do what I can. And it's very, it, it's very uh, kind of, you could feel what it was like in the laboratory. Thought, okay, this is what you want. So he said, so I try, they, they, put me in the MRI for one hour and said, okay, just the empathy with the sad feeling and no compassion. Okay. And oh, it was exhausting. I was burnt out. It was horrible. But then they said, okay, now you can start the compassion. <laughs> oh, thank you. He says, I was there for two or three hours. It's fine. I feel really great. <laughs> and so I thought it was really that the he was able to feel the sad, if he was trying to stop the compassion, then it was exhausting. Because in a way you're trying to switch off 
your natural kind of relatedness to the other and the natural care, but just to feel the the sadness of the other and just have that sadness on its own and this then he it was really exhausting and stressful painful but when he could just let the have uh, the natural feeling of of altruism of compassion arising on account of that then uh, it, it was very easy and uh, there was a lot of energy it felt far more uh, comfortable with that so um, often with worry and self-view then the we get stuck at that that kind of first we are feeling the the sadness on account of others and the the super ego is saying you should you should you should you should and we don't really let ourselves feel that great brightness of karuna it's a brahma vihara it's a great expansive yeah un, uh, limitless state uh, unbounded exalted immeasurable these are the words the buddha uses to describe the, that uh, metta sahagatena, you know, the, the infinite compassion, uh, unbounded, exalted, immeasurable. That's not a sad feeling. <laughs> but uh, the, there can be you know, the, the appreciation and the sad feeling there as well. But it's, uh, <clears throat> I feel it's, it's a mistaken understanding of, of Buddhist teaching that you know, if I'm practicing properly, I wouldn't have any emotions. Not, you know, not in this world. <laughs> but rather, we, we can feel those emotions, uh, excitement or fear or sadness, grief. But, but, the, but they, the, the emotions are there, but they're known for what they are. They're seen as uh, natural. You, know, you have a body, you have a mind, uh, you have you know, feelings and responses. So it's uh, ordinary, tamada, tamachat. You know, in the Thai language, you have these tamada, which is, means ordinary in Thai. It comes from the Pali word dhammata, of the nature of dhamma. Dhammata. You, you see how the word is spelt, tamada. Right there is the dhamma is right there in, in the ordinary. Tamachat, dhammajati, born of the dhamma. Tamachat, natural. So it's uh, if you just look at the words, right? Thai, the Thai language is it's a very big clue that it's uh, to feel sadness or feel grief or you know, feel uh, those different emotions. It's it's ordinary, and when when they're seen as ordinary and natural, then they're still there, they're still present. It's the flavor of the human world, but it's not. Uh, it's not limiting. It's not binding. There's the um, uh, there's no um, suffering on account of those painful feelings. <clears throat>